thank you for Travis. He's our main man. We ask you to bless him, and we'll pay attention. Thank you, I think. Hey, guys. Man, everybody's in a turkey coma. Turkey coma. I was going to welcome Melody back, but she went out with the baby. We, we congratulated them when Michael was here, but I think this is her first time here with the baby, so... Say hello to her if you get a chance. I, um, I'm not sure how this is going to go, which is what's new, but I do feel like the Lord gave me kind of a word, more of a prophetic word, that I'm probably going to turn into a message. I know I was getting something today from the Lord, and so this may speak to a lot of you. It may just, for some of you, it may just be reminder I think this is something we need to hear. This is Christianity 101, but I did get this prophetically this morning. So I think there's somebody that this really needs to hear this. And we all need to hear this, what I'm going to talk about. I'm just trying to figure out how's the best way to jump into this because I may tie a few things together and I'm still listening, <laughs> trying to hear what the Lord's doing here. Well, Lord, we just ask that you help us hear what you're saying. We want to hear from heaven this morning. And Lord, we want to um, not miss anything you're doing. And Father, we ask that you go to roots and go deep and deal with anything that needs to get dealt with in our hearts and our lives so that we can live a life that's uh, pleasing to you. In Jesus' name. All right, so... As is my custom, I try to get up in the morning on Sundays and go get with the Lord. Um, typically, I try to get up really early. This morning, I had trouble with that. Uh, I was up kind of late putting up Christmas lights and decorating and doing the family thing, which of which when I go home today, that's what I get to continue with. <laughs> Tis the season, and I love this season. Uh, you know, I love this season. This is my favorite time of year. I get to start wearing my nice winter clothes, and uh, I get to start thinking about the amazing things that Christmas really is, the, the birth of Christ, even though he probably wasn't born in uh, December. Um, nevertheless, uh, that's when we celebrate his birth, and it's such an awesome thing. But I, w I may end up talking about Thanksgiving a little bit, if that's all right. Um, because I think that's a, one of those holidays that very few people understand, but it's probably one of our most important holidays as Americans. And most people don't understand the history behind it, but we want to we wanna understand the history behind it. But it ties in, I think, I'm going to try to tie this in, I hope the Lord's behind this, but I know the Lord gave me a word this morning about forgiveness. And I've talked about that plenty of times here, but... As I'm preparing this morning, you know, I get up, I go get with the Lord, I try to listen to what the Lord's saying, and I'm sitting there, and I'm not getting a lot, and I keep praying, I'm waiting on the Lord, and then all of a sudden, I feel like I had this massive handprint of just somebody smacking me across my face. Now, I get this sometimes when the Lord's dealing with, when he's trying to let me know there's a forgiveness test, I get that from... Jesus said, if anyone slaps you on the cheek, you're to turn the other cheek. 
And so I've had this happen before where I'm ministering to someone or, or I'm, I'm around someone and all of a sudden I will feel this sensation across my face and it's a word about forgiveness. I have had this so many times. I remember one of the first, the first time I got it, I was in a warehouse picking up a part for a construction site that I was working on and I'm at the, the, the counter as I'm up there, all of a sudden I start feeling like this feeling like I just got slapped in the face. And I'm like, Lord, what is that? And as we've been learning, when you feel something that's out of the ordinary, what do you do? Ask the Lord. Lord, is this you? It's the whole burning bush thing. When Moses turned aside to see the burning bush, God spoke through him through the burning bush. He didn't speak right away. He, he gave him a sign to get his attention and whether or not he turned aside to pursue it further, then the Lord spoke through the thing that he used to turn him aside. Well, for me, at this moment, I felt a sensation on my face like somebody just slapped me. And I said, and I just, I knew it wasn't natural. It was weird. It was out of the ordinary. So I had learned, because I'm always ready or trying to be, Lord, are you speaking to me? What are you speaking? And so I asked the Lord, what are you saying? And I began to feel like the Lord was saying, highlighting this guy behind the counter, that he was going through a forgiveness test, talking about someone had slapped him on the cheek and God, and, and he, and God wants to encourage him to turn the other cheek. Okay, I don't know this guy. He doesn't know me. This is a stretch for me at the moment. <laughs> and as I'm standing at the counter, I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do. And as I'm struggling back and forth, I knew it was the Lord, or I felt like it was the Lord, but I was trying to gather, you know, trying to muster up the courage to actually say something to this guy. And so I go into the back of the warehouse where I was picking up my part after I'd order it. The guy walked back there, and I thought, well, here's a moment to find out. And in fear and trembling, I walked up to this guy and said, hey, excuse me. I said, hey, man. I said, I don't know you. I said, but I'm a Christian, and I really felt like the Lord wanted, I don't know what's going on in your life, but you know that Bible verse in the, where it talks about if anyone slaps you on the cheek, you're supposed to turn the other cheek? He's like, yeah. And I said, well, I feel like you're going through something. Somebody has slapped you, not physically, but metaphorically. Something's been done to you that's like that and that God's calling you to forgive. And he just kind of stopped, and he's like, man. He's like, my wife, she started having an affair on me, and then she decided to divorce me. She took all the money out of the bank account before we could get to, the, to anywhere, and she left me with broke, penniless, and ran off with this other guy. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that qualifies. <laughs> And so I sat there and began to minister to this guy, and I ended up praying with him and just walked him through it. We prayed for, I think if I remember correctly, we ended up praying for his wife right then. And, um, and I, that was how the Lord began to show me this thing. And I've had this thing happen a lot over the years. It became part of my um, language within the, the spirit language. You know, we develop spirit languages. Y'all realize that? You develop, there's a language in the spirit that you can develop with God. I shared some things uh, two weeks ago about that and how God speaks to us. He normally doesn't speak in audible voices. 
He can, and he, it does happen, but it's not the normal. The normal is he will do something to kind of get our attention, and we just have to ask the Lord about it. It may be a vision. It may be, and when I say vision, I mean like a mental picture in your mind that pops in your head, or it may be a number of things. Well, in this case, it was this, and I've put that in my repertoire, if you will, for how the Lord speaks to me. And I've had this happen a lot of times. I remember uh, there's this actually friend of ours, and... Um, uh, they had come over and or she had come over and um, I started feeling this right before she was about to leave and I'm like I shared it with her same thing hey I felt like the Lord saying you've been slapped in the cheek and the Lord wants you to turn the other cheek there's a forgiveness test for you it's a forgiveness test forgive and um, she goes um, no nah, I can't think of anything I pretty much forgive everybody and she does I mean I, I, this was you know I, I know her I knew that that was true. So I'm like, okay, we'll just pray about it. We'll see what happens. The next day, she found out that her husband had an affair on her. Well, the amazing thing is that I think because of that word, there was some strength to stay the course. And and actually, they they got separated, but they got reconnected. Their marriage got saved. He's actually walking with the Lord now. He got, you know, he got saved, and then there's a real restoration that took place, and that was, I, I consider that me being a part of that story because I was willing to step out with that thing that I was feeling, and I've had that happen numerous times where people, where I would get this for people, and sometimes they know exactly what I'm talking about, sometimes they don't, and then they, and then they come back to me later. I've had this one guy I've given the same word to twice in a period of about 10 years. Both times, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. And within a week, he calls me back. He's like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> the last time it happened, he was down at my house, and uh, I got it for him. And I felt really weird saying it because we, I've already, we've already been over this before, like within the last 10 years. And I said it again. He's like, I don't know. He gets home, and he finds out that his company had given the promotion that they promised him to another guy on the that that really didn't deserve it and so it was a turn the other cheek moment for him this has rescued me numerous times where i've gotten this right before something bad happened to me and my heart was already prepared for it okay it's just one of those things i got that this morning and i just want to talk a minute about forgiveness um and how important it is because a lot of times when we're walking in unforgiveness it's it's everybody in here knows as a christian you're supposed to forgive okay we know that so it's not like this is something new to anybody so why would god highlight it because it's not easy everybody knows it it's easy to say hey we're supposed to forgive people it's a lot harder when someone does you dirty and you have to offer love to them you have to offer forgiveness. And I believe the Lord wants to encourage his people like never before that this is Christianity 101. It's, it's the basics. And what happens is when we don't walk in that, we don't give that out. And a lot of times we're not doing it intentionally. It's like we're, we, we would never, most people would, they know you're supposed to forgive, so we don't intentionally not forgive. But sometimes it, there's just that constant thing inside of us where we're dealing with something and we're not dealing with it well and we're not trying to hold on forgiveness but it's just we're just not getting over stuff and so 
the Lord wants to help us as believers begin to deal with this thing and help us to overcome unforgiveness because at the heart of unforgiveness is us not understanding our own wickedness. I'm going to say that again. At the heart of unforgiveness is us not understanding how wicked we are. We are wicked. Do you think, you know, in, 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 in the Apostle Paul, he talked about how sin dwelled in the flesh in Romans 7, right? Y'all know that passage where he's talking about there's nothing good in me? Y'all remember that? And how the things that he wanted to do, he didn't do. The things that he should do, he wanted to do, but he didn't do it. And the things that he didn't want to do, he did. And it's just he was, who could save me from this wretched man that I am? And he says, it's not me anymore because I agree with the law of God, but it's sin dwelling in the flesh. Do you think sin that dwells in your flesh, if you got, how many people got flesh on them today? Anybody don't? Well, if you have flesh, you have sin that dwells. It's not you. It is sin in the flesh that dwells inside your carnal nature. Every single person, and that's why we have to die daily, because we've got to crucify that nature daily. Okay? You can't, this is just a little side note that I love so much, I'm going to throw it in there. Derek Prince used to say this. I got this from him. This is so awesome. You can't cast out flesh. And you can't crucify a demon. Do, you, do y'all know what I mean by that? A lot of times people are trying to cast out sin in the flesh. You don't do, you can't. It's going to be with you until your body gets redeemed. You have to crucify it. You got to get ruthless with it and tell the flesh, it's not going to have its way over me. You're not allowed to rule my life. Unforgiveness is flesh. You can't. Cast out flesh, you crucify it. And vice versa, you can't crucify a demon. You cast that thing out. Some things that we deal with are demonic and they need to be dealt with like that and we cast those spirits out that are trying to bother us. But the flesh is not like that. We have to crucify it daily. But one of the things that helped me was being so messed up as a kid. I really dealt with some really dark stuff as a child. And I dealt with a lot of perversion, a lot of pornography, a lot of things that would hit my mind and heart. And, um, and I realized as a young kid that I was really a mess and I was capable of doing anything. I hadn't done anything, but I saw the pathway that, I, that, w- that the things that I was dealing with as a child and I realized how messed up I was. That was the grace of God in my life because there's nothing good in me. Susan Smith that killed her children, remember that? In South Carolina, she drove her, let her kids just drive them into the lake and let them drown. Horrible. I could do that. You know how I know? Because sin dwells in my flesh. Her sin in her flesh wasn't worse than this my sin in the flesh the only difference is is maybe the grace of god and the things that i've had in my life that she didn't have you know i had a loving parents i grew up in an unperfect home had issues like every home does but i wasn't abused you know there's you don't know what people go through that causes them to become some of the monsters that we are but but if it weren't for the grace of god there go i 
And if you don't really believe that about yourself, you're still in deception. If you don't realize that you're capable of the most heinous crime outside of the grace of God, you're in deception. If you think you're a good person, you're in deception. You're deceived. If you think you're a good person, you're deceived. You're not. There's nobody good. No, not one. Scripture says our our righteousness is as a filthy rag. And when it uses that word filthy rag, this is Bible, this isn't mean, me. So what the Bible says, it's actually in the Hebrew, you look it up, it's a menstrual cloth. Our righteousness is like a menstrual cloth. We're not good. And that really was set me free as a child when I saw how messed up I was. I mean, some of the thoughts that go through my head, if y'all saw that, boy, you would not let me preach up here. Why? Because you don't understand the gospel, probably. None are righteous. None. We're not good. We all stumble in many ways. And if God has been so merciful so as to forgive me of all of my trespasses and sins and the things that I've done to him and to others, who am I to withhold that to another brother or sister who's going through this broken life with sin in the flesh, going through difficulties and hardness, who are struggling with things that cause them to not be a good person to me. Do y'all realize that when people do you wrong, they're struggling to, they're struggling with what we all struggle with is how to be, how to live life, how to survive life. Life's tough. You know that? Life's tough. We're all struggling. We're all dealing with attitude issues and, and, and things that we, the stuff in our flesh that makes us not want to be like Jesus. And it takes all of the Holy Spirit and probably a whole host of angels to help get us <laughs> to, come, to, to walk in righteousness sometimes, walk in love. Do y'all realize that? And so I really felt like the Lord wanted, I know the Lord said this morning that he wants us to remember the, the turning the other cheek today. Now I want to read, read some passages and then I'm going to, if there's time, I may get into how this actually ties into our Thanksgiving story, if there's time. But this is Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So basically, it's not a number of times. This is an infinity. This is the Lord saying, no, this is every time. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one of who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, back then, 10,000 talents was a lot, a lot of money. It would be worth like, uh, I think, like 15 years wages. 15 years wages. That's how much he owed the king. But since he did not have the means to repay, the Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. You know, 
this parable here, it really is talking about us and forgiveness, which we'll see in a minute. But isn't that our, our mindset sometimes that we think we can repay? Well, I'll just be better. I'll do better next time. He's going to, he, oh, just be patient with me. I'll repay it. I think sometimes that's our, our attitude, but we can't repay it. And the Lord of the, that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. That's like a day's wage. So 15 years wages, he got forgiven, and this guy owed him a day's wage. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he was owed. So this guy owed him a day's wages. He just got forgiven a huge debt. And this guy that owed him a little payment, he threw him in prison over it. Okay. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to the Lord all that had happened. And then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And the Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Now listen to this. This is not Travis. This is the word of God. This is the Bible. Are y'all ready? This is what God says. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if you do not forgive his brother from your heart. From your heart. That means you're not just gritting your teeth and bearing the person when you see him. That means you're not just uh, being nice and instead of mowing them over when you're in their car, but you actually turn away from them and drive a different direction. No, it means you forgive them from your heart as if your heart is clean towards that person. You have nothing held against them. Forgive them from your heart. Forgiveness is so serious that, that it says, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if you do not forgive his brother from your heart. What, did, what was done? Well, what happened to the slave was he was thrown in prison and he was actually tortured in prison. I want to promise you that every time we allow unforgiveness in our heart, somebody does something to us, we don't let it go. We hold on to it. You immediately go to prison. That's what Jesus said here. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. What did the king do? The king threw him in prison. One passage of scripture says that he was there, he was tormented until he paid back every cent. When you don't have forgiveness in your heart, you immediately begin to go into a prison where you are tormented. And you know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness does not affect the person you're un- you have unforgiveness towards. It affects you. It affects your health. It affects your health. It affects your health. Unforgiveness is an open door for sickness into your life. They can show you that medically, but it's, it's a biblical principle. Unforgiveness opens up doors to sickness in your life. 
Unforgiveness will take away all your vision, your vision for life, your vision for God, your ministry, your purpose. It does. It just poisons you. From, at the very core, it poisons who you are. And the only way to stay free from this poison is to walk in forgiveness towards everybody. And you're going to get lots of opportunity. You probably have had a few opportunities on your way into church this morning. <laughs> Unforgiven opportunities to hold unforgiveness towards people is abundant. It's everywhere we go. But you know why? Because we're all human. We all don't do the way we should do. And but I want to take this a little deeper because I remember one day reading this passage of scripture in Colossians and it just to me it jumped out at me and it made me I don't know it just took the whole forgiveness thing to a whole nother level this is Colossians 3 um, I guess we'll start with verse 12 so as to so as those who have been chosen of God okay that's us we're chosen holy and beloved Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, hearing with one another, I'm sorry, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. Okay, so we're, 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 our whole attitude's like, I got a heart of compassion to who, all, my, all my brothers and sisters, no matter what they've done, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Now, here's the kicker. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. A complaint? Wow. A complaint. How many people have complaints towards people? I'm not talking about this major unforgiveness. I'm talking about you've complained about someone. You've complained. I've done it. Probably done it probably in the last 24 hours. <laughs> God doesn't want us to have complaints against people. He wants us to forgive them. Let it go. Jesus hanging on the cross after being up over 24 hours without sleep. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was scourged with all his flesh torn off his back and sides, beat to a pulp, a crown of thorns on his head, total agony, total torture, and then he gets nailed to the tree, nailed to the cross, and he's hanging there, bleeding, with all his energy trying to pull up to breathe, because he has to pull up on those to, to get oxygen. And he sits there and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now that's God's heart. That's God's heart. That was to the ones that were saying, you know, come on down from the cross if you really are who you say you are. Come on down. They're mocking him to the very end. Blindfold him. They blindfold him and slap him and say, who hit you? Prophesy, tell us. 
These people were doing wicked things. I had a dream a number of years ago where in the dream, somebody had put me in a cage and was torturing me because I was a Christian. And it was kind of a weird dream. I was outside my father's house in the dream, which I think was a prophetic picture. And I was, um, in the dream, I had a knowing. You know how that is when you dream something? Sometimes you just know things in the dream that you, you, you it's just the way the dream works. You know things. Um, in the dream, I knew that this guy was watching me as he was abusing me to see if Christianity was real. You know, there are a lot of people who are watching us to see what's inside of us. What happens if you squeeze an orange? You get orange juice. What happens if you squeeze a Christian? (laughs) Do you get Christ? Or do you get something else? (laughs) I want to grow up into the place to where when you squeeze me, Christ comes up. I'm not saying I'm there. I am sometimes, and sometimes I'm not. My kids can tell you. Sometimes I'm not. (laughs) My wife can tell you. Uh, But I want to be. I want to get to the place where, you know, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to live. When you squeeze me, Christ comes out. That's the goal. And there's people that are watching us And our testimony to how we handle when people are rude and ugly and hateful, people are watching. And that's an opportunity to to say, hey, what is it about that person that responds to love when people do us dirty, do us wrong? You know, our, um, I don't know if I can do this well, but I'm going to try to do the like the five minute Thanksgiving world tour, okay? Um, which means it'll probably be 10 minutes or more. (laughs) Uh, Thanksgiving is one of the most amazing holidays. And we, you know, for most of us, we grow up and it's all about getting with our family and having a big meal. And yeah, we know a little bit that there was pilgrims that got with some Native Americans, you know, the the Indians and the pilgrims when I grew up is what it was called. Because, you know, when when the Europeans came here, they thought, especially like when Christopher Columbus came, he thought he was in India but he wasn't. So they called them Indians because they thought they were in India, but they weren't in India. So, um, and so in 1620, a group of pilgrims who were, basically they were Christians who left the Church of England because they started reading the Bible for themselves and they wanted to worship God with what they saw in the scripture because they didn't see the Church of England or the Catholic Church actually walking in what the Scripture teaches. And so they began to serve God on their own, having their own meetings, began to have a a movement in England and where they began to worship God, but they began to get persecuted for reading the Bible, for having their own views, for worshiping God the way they felt like they should worship. So they fled England. Many of them, their number of them got killed. Some of them got thrown in prison for reading the Bible and practicing their own faith. And they went to Holland where they flourished for a time, but 
there was a war broke out and they ended up coming back to England and they had made a they made a decision to they were going to um, a number of them were going to head to the newly discovered America we, we had a, a settlement in 1607 that was in Virginia, for no, those of you that know the history. And so they were going to go and be a part of that colony. This would be the second group of people coming to be a part of the, of the first colony that was established in 1607. And so they were coming here for religious freedoms. They were fleeing persecution. Now, I could tie this to the book of Revelation. This is actually in the book of Revelation. We're not, I don't have time to do that today, but it's actually in there. It's really amazing to see God foreshadowing this in the book of Revelation. But they come here. They're fleeing persecution, but their goal was to establish the gospel of the kingdom in this land to reach the indigenous people and to see it spread all over the world. So there was kind of a twofold purpose. They were here to worship God freely, but they also wanted to advance the gospel. And they come here, they got blown off track. They ended up landing in Massachusetts, which is quite far north from Virginia. Now here's where it gets amazing. You know that scripture that says, God works all things together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes? really is amazing how God's hand was on this whole thing. But forgiveness was a big key to this. And this is how. This is like the story of Joseph. Y'all know the story of Joseph? Okay, he was sold into slavery. And then look how God, he had to forgive his brothers, you know, and he walked in incredible righteousness and he ended up saving the really the whole known world at the time. Well, there's a similar story at our Thanksgiving. Did y'all know that? There's a similar Joseph figure in our Thanksgiving that actually is the reason why uh, those settlers, those pilgrims, were, uh, many of them survived. When they got here, they landed in a particular part of Massachusetts where um, it was the wintertime. They had not enough provisions they're trying to figure, there was about six or seven people serving the rest of them, taking care of them because everybody else was sick. Through that winter, they lost about half of all the people that came. So over 100 people came, they lost about half of them in that first winter. They had a chance to return, but they refused because they figured that their lives would be stepping stones for other people to come. They laid down their life. Isn't that amazing? They, they could have returned to comfort, but they didn't. And they decided to stay even though they were dying left and right. Half of your family, half of your friends, half of your people. This was all one big church that came over here. And half the church died. Okay. And so they survive the first winter. And then they have some guy that comes into this Native American walks into their camp named Samoset. And he's speaking to them in broken English. And they're just amazed. Well, apparently he had been doing some business with traders and had gotten to the place where he had known a little bit of English and he was talking to them and he introduced them to the Wampanoag, I probably messed that up, tribe that was a part, it was his tribe and King Massuset, I probably messed that up too, but it's Indian, so or Native American, so I got, anyway, I got an excuse. Uh, but anyway, he introduced them to these, these Native Americans. They come into their camp, begin to have a relationship with the pilgrims, 
And another Native American there was a man by Squ- named Squanto. How many know, have heard about Squanto? This man is such an amazing man. Now, they're actually telling lies about him. I just found out my daughter was giving me a history update of what she's being taught and how this man was a bad man and did a bunch of bad stuff. Makes me sick. They keep, they've, they've twisted history and all kinds of stuff. So teach your kids history, guys. So anyway, this man, Squanto, comes into town. He speaks perfect, fluent English. Now, you know why? There was a ship captain who had brought people into uh, the Virginia colony that was founded in 1607 that decided to go north a little bit exploring, and he kidnapped a bunch of the natives, and he took them back to Europe and sold them into slavery. And you think, how wicked and evil. You're exactly right. This man was sold into slavery. He was brought into, I believe it was Spain, I believe it was Spain, a group of, uh, of Catholic uh, monks who had an organization of rescuing the slaves bought all the Native Americans and then helped set them free. He makes his way to England where he lived five years and learned perfect English and then decides to go home. He goes home to find out that his whole tribe had been wiped out through a plague. Now, his particular tribe was a very violent tribe. This tribe that was wiped out is the very spot that the pilgrims landed at. All the other Native Americans were scared to come into this spot because they knew plague had hit it and they didn't want to catch it. So it, was, it gave the pilgrims protection. The only tribe that was willing to venture in was the ones that had Squanto and Samoset who were familiar with the English. When, when uh, Squanto comes back, he decides to stay with these pilgrims. And he actually teaches them how to hunt, how to grow vegetables in the harsh winter that, uh, I mean, it wasn't winter, but I mean, he, it, 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 Massachusetts cold. You don't have but a short window to really do stuff. And so he taught them how to grow vegetables and do all that stuff. And actually, he, he saved these people's lives. They weren't going to make it. And this one Native American who had been betrayed by English was end up taken to Europe, lived in England, returned, and chose to help the English. Now that is a big sign of forgiveness. He was kidnapped by a group of people. Now how about today? You look around and you look at all the people that have issues with other people based upon what someone else in their race did to them. People, let me tell you something. Every group of people have sinners, and they have people that do good. Every group. There's good people, and there's bad people. And we're all bad people, but you know what I mean. There's people that allow the Lord to work in them to where they stop doing wickedness, and they practice righteousness, and then you have people that don't, and they do bad things. This Native American really was a, a, a Joseph figure who... And this was so amazing, the, the, the sovereignty of God and the providence of God that this man 
who was a part of a very wicked, violent tribe, got spared from that type of mindset by being taken out, and he was now alive because he was kidnapped. He was kidnapped. He would have been dead if these English wouldn't have kidnapped him. Does that make what they did right? No, of course not. But what God meant for evil, I mean, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. See, God was working. Just like Joseph was kidnapped. Was that good? No. But God was working. And this man came back. And then because of this man's working with them and introducing this, this, to this uh, tribe of Indians, they had made a, um, a, the, the longest lasting peace treaty between these early settlers and, and, a, and a particular tribe of, of Native Americans. And they, because of the work that was done, decided to have their first Thanksgiving where they thanked God for these Native Americans who's helped rescue their lives and for God who provided um, Squanto to teach them and the food that they have and the fact that they were, they were still struggling, but they had food and they had a feast that lasted three days where they praised and worshiped God and they declared thanks to Jesus Christ for their salvation from the difficulties that they had faced the year prior. That was 400 years ago. It was, 20, it was uh, uh, 1621 when that took place. All of that would not have been possible if there weren't some people who had some kind of vision to interpret the things that were going on in their life from a godly perspective, realizing that you know, the enemy means it for evil, but God means it for good. I'm not holding unforgiveness towards anybody but instead, I'm going to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. Squanto practiced that. I don't know if he understood it like we understood it, but he practiced it. And he rescued the white man who had just kidnapped him and sent him to a foreign land. And he could have easily held bitterness, unforgiveness, and resentment, but no. He, he, he offered forgiveness and peace and actually served this tribe. And they actually became his family. He lived with them to the day he died. He became, they became family. Isn't that amazing? The Lord does not want us holding unforgiveness against people because if we do, we'll miss the very purpose that God had for us. And even in our people doing us wrong, we have to learn how to get a vision to where we began to interpret our life through God's perspective, not ours. What would have happened if Joseph refused to see God at work in his life and instead held unforgiveness out? What would have happened? You know, what would have happened for the tribes of Israel if Joseph wanted to have bitterness? Where would Israel be today? But he forgave them. Because then he said to them this powerful phrase, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What if the very places that the Lord has allowed us to be wounded is the very place that he's given us authority to release healing? Isn't that what happened with Jesus? The very places he was wounded released authority to see healing for the world. And in the same way where people do us wrong and we respond in love and in righteousness, it releases healing to everyone around us. And who knows if those people are the very people that, who are watching us to see if, if Christ is in there 
if Christianity's real, if Jesus is for real. And I just want to encourage you today, if you have a complaint against anybody, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. It's Christianity 101. You can't walk with Jesus and walk in unforgiveness. You can't. They don't mix. The good news about that is that when I lay my head down at night, I fall asleep. I have peace in my heart. I'm not mad at anybody. I hate no one. I may even stand up against people and fight what they do, but I'm not fighting them. I love them. I have to. I'm commanded to. I may have, for the sake of other people, I may have to stand up and resist things that people are doing, but I am never hating the person I'm resisting. I'm, I'm as much fighting for them as I am. We have to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Even if they pass away, you have to forgive. And you know what happens when you do? You get set free. We get set free. We get free. We get all of a sudden there's peace in our lives. You don't have peace when you have unforgiveness and bitterness. You don't. It doesn't. It eats you up. And it's just not worth it. The price is too high to pay. And it really is like, you know, Lord, you have forgiven me of everything. I freely drink from the cup of your forgiveness and I can't offer it to people? You mean I want to receive from your hand one thing but not give that out to others? That's a great sin in the Lord's sight. It's a great sin in the Lord's sight to receive from his sacrifice but to not give his sacrifice to others. The blood was enough for you, but we don't give it to others. The blood's enough for everybody, guys. Amen? Is this speaking to anybody today? Yeah? Okay. That's good. Amen. Well, good. I guess I heard right then. (laughs) All right. Well, Lord Jesus, we just ask, Father, that you would help us to, Lord, we know it, but it's not easy. We're asking for grace, Lord, to forgive those who sin against us. It's not an option. Lord, I want your forgiveness, so I have to give it out freely. But Lord, we're asking for the grace to do it. Give us grace to do it, and you do. You do give us grace to do it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord. One thing I would encourage you, if you're struggling with it, start praying for the person. Start asking God to bless them. Ask God to move on their lives, to help them come to the saving. You know, some of them, these people don't know what they're doing. You know, no, we all need God to help correct behavior that's wrong in, in our lives, and those people need that too. He died for the ungodly. That's all of us. And so I start praying for those people and I ask, and I pray for them until I really genuinely love them. Not like I'm gritting my teeth anymore where I really, really love them. So keep praying for people that you're having a tough time with until that, 
transformation takes place in your heart and you genuinely love the people. You genuinely love. I know some of you guys, I know some of your stories. Um, you know, I was, it, a lot of you have walked through this and it's amazing. Let's think about you and your sister, you know, that's how awesome that is, you know. Um, what, what a testimony. So, forgiveness always releases kingdom advancement. Forgiveness always releases kingdom advancement. Every time. Thank you, Lord.